Hi. Well, it's later than I thought I was going to be to do episode number three, but I've been trying to uh, catch up on a few things because uh, I was at the hospital all day today for stent removal procedure that was not successful, unfortunately. So um, I went in with one stent and came out with two. And um, after going home, I'm going to have to come back up here to Boston after a couple of weeks to have it removed. Um, Well, actually, both of them are removed. Um, I will say that it doesn't hurt, um, but it is frustrating. And um, it was um, a bit hard to hold things together when I was told that if they cannot um, get the stent out during the procedure, they will put another one in because their concern is um, the, the stent goes between the transplanted kidney and the bladder through the ureter and, uh, or ureter. Um, and basically uh, what was proven during the x-ray is that it was halfway up the tube and they wanna make sure that the, um, the bottom half of the tube into the bladder, which is where the connection take place, remains open, hence the uh, second um, stent and the additional time to heal. Um, so I will probably be up here towards the end of the month of November, uh, but we'll discuss it tomorrow at doctor's appointment. But um, this episode isn't about today. This episode is about... Let's see, what were your feelings like before you received the transplant? And I think that I talked a little bit about this last night in that um, I was starting to get tired of the whole hurrying up and wait. Um, I have said previously that um, 2017... Um, Because of the fact that I had three people who were actively um, involved in the process of being, um, of saying that they're willing to be tested, um, for everyone involved, it was the assumption that at least one of them will probably um, be successful in um, being um, able to donate. And uh, it was then when the plans were identified to, um, you know, what happens when you have to go, what might be the best time, um, you know, whether people would be able to fly up um, to give aid and the ability to not have to be up here the whole time. Um, There was the plan with the doctors to have the um, left kidney removed and um, therefore not having to have um, to wait six months after the surgery to be able to uh, then have the, the left nephrectomy and hence um, allowing me to be able to wear regular clothes again. Unfortunately, um, there wasn't a success in um, being able to uh, secure a live donor. And um, as I got into 27, 2018, you know, it was sort of like, you know, there are things that I need to do. So on one hand, I was sort of like, I'm going to live my life. And um, that meant that, you know, if um, 
business trips had to be made, I was going to make them work. Um, I was going to work with the um, hospital social worker to be able to do dialysis overseas. So we planned to go visit my brother in Tampa uh, for two weeks and to be able to do dialysis in Tampa. Um, and I was able to speak at a conference in, in, um, in, in Paris. And uh, that meant actually going to dialysis in Paris and dealing with the fact that um, no one um, spoke English. And, uh, you know, it meant that I was dealing, using my, my high school and college French, which, um, to be quite honest, sucked because I was in high school and college a very long time ago. I really haven't had the need to speak Spanish. If anything, I've spoken more, uh, sorry, Spanish, French. And if anything, I've spoken more Spanish over the last few years than I have French. And um, while I was able to, you know, me and the um, clinic uh, coordinator person was able to do a lot of sign language, we actually had to co-opt a nurse who had lived in Montreal 20 years ago. And she helped with a wee bit of the translation, but but we got through it. And um, it was, you know, definitely an interesting experience. I mean, um, it took a bit longer than it was supposed to, and I therefore didn't get to go up the Eiffel Tower. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I will be back. There are so many other things to see in, um, in Paris. So, you know, that was the first and foremost in my my mind and my feelings that I wasn't going to let this beat me and I'm just going to get on with my life and you know there are things that I needed to do and I was just going to push through the um the the weariness and the tiredness and just you know live life <coughs> excuse me I'm sorry my throat is sore from um they had to put use a tube uh, while I was under anesthesia so I have a bit of a sore throat from that. Um, but I will have to say that whereas in 2017, there weren't very many down moments. Uh, in 2018, I did have a lot more. And those were moments when I would actually sit and think that I couldn't see myself doing this forever. And um, while I never had that feeling that you know you know life is miserable and then we die um i had the feeling where you know i'm missing out on you know some of the best parts of being a parent because i can't run around with my kids um you know they would go outside to play and you know i was often napping on the couch or something like that and i started to feel a bit guilty about that um and then I, I pretty much started to feel a little bit defensive uh, about whenever being asked the question about, you know, where are things with the whole transplant process? And, you know, I was honest. I was sort of like, you know, well, basically I'm in the hurry up and wait mode, you know, just waiting to see, you know, what happens next. Um, and, you know, it was because I was a bit frustrated with the with the process because you know you don't know where you are um particularly with the uh cadaver list uh they generally don't tell you until you're near the top 
I still didn't know that I was near the top when I got the call. Um, so, you know, it was just a, a bit of a frustrating process, particularly if you're the type of person who likes to be somewhat in control or who likes to have things organized. So, um, and then there were moments when I was just really, really, really frustrated with the fact that this whole process has changed me somewhat. You know, I went into it saying that, you know, this was something where, you know, I was going to fight every second. And then you realize that, you know, oh, good Lord, the weariness is real. The desire to sleep is real, but I'm not sleeping because I'm having leg cramps at night. And I can only sleep on one side because my hip is killing me. And, you know, the things that you can and cannot eat start getting to you because you start finding that you're eating the same things over and over. And I was getting mad at myself for being frustrated by these things because, on the other hand, I had to remind myself, I should be grateful to be alive. You know, this machine is keeping me alive. If I lived in any other time, I would not be here to see my kids grow up. I would not be here to be able to speak at conferences and to go on business trips and to go have on vacation and spend it with my my siblings. So, you know, it's the type of thing where I found that there was this internal battle a lot of times where on one hand, I was frustrated, but on the other hand, I needed to be grateful. And... Um, you know, at times like that, you really started keep saying you had to keep your eyes on the prize. You know, remain as healthy as possible so that when you do get the call, uh, whether it's for um, to arrange for, you know, the live donors um, donation or um, you receive the call related to uh, cadaver kidney that you are ready and able to recover as quickly as possible because you are in as good shape as possible. So, you know, that means, you know, still getting out there and walking and, you know, doing, you know, bits and pieces of yoga, even though it's not your usual yoga practice. And it meant, you know, going on those adventures with the kids, even if it meant that you were walking behind them. So, you know, it was... A struggle but it was a worthwhile struggle and you know they get you up you know right after you have this surgery to start walking because that's going to help you recover so I was ready and waiting for that I mean it wasn't comfortable I wasn't able to you know immediately be able to walk a mile or whatever but you know it was something that I was able to to work on because I had done the best that I could under the circumstances to, you know, be in some semblance of good shape. So that's just a look into where my head was at before receiving the call. Um, I was frustrated, but I was grateful to be alive. I had my eye on the prize and, you know, that meant that I was going to push through 
you know, the pain, the tiredness, whatever it was to be able to, you know, remain in as good shape as possible, um, to be able to recover and to recuperate from the surgery whenever it would happen. And um, I am so grateful for my team at work, for my family and extended family, for, you know, pushing me when they had to, for, you know, getting me to stop and rest when when I needed to, for um, ensuring that, you know, I I ate, (laughs) that I, um, you know, was able to do the things that I loved doing. And, you know, they are part of this story because I wouldn't have been able to do this without, you know, my, my office family and my home family and extended family. And I am so grateful to them. So that's the end of episode three, uh, which was about what were my feelings like before I received the transplant. Um, And I will talk to you later. Hopefully my voice will be better tomorrow. Have a great one. Goodbye.